2: What are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man.
0: The Gospel never tells us something to do. The Gospel tells us about something that's been done.
2: Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. This is Colleen Sharp and Rachel Miller is my co host And this week, we are joined by Melissa Kruger, and we're going to talk to her about our new book, Growing Together, Taking Mentoring Beyond Small Talk and Prayer Requests. And I know this book is of great interest to a lot of that. We have a Facebook group that has a lot of women. And um, when you talk in the introduction about young women saying, I want to be mentored, how do I go about doing that? And we get that all the time in our group. So Melissa, for those that aren't familiar with you, maybe you could share a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um my name's Melissa. I'm married to Mike. Um he is the president of Reformed Theological Seminary here in Charlotte. His Area of expertise as he teaches New Testament, um, and I work for an organization called the Gospel Coalition, doing um, our women's initiatives there. I spent ten years before that working in the local church in women's ministry, and I write. Um, and then we have three kids. Um, I have a college student now. I have a. 19 year old, um, and about to be 17 year old and a 13 year old. So, um, we're in the middle of the teen years and I love the teen years. Um, it's been a really fun time with my kids. I'm so thankful everyone can tie their shoes and go to the bathroom on their own and, Hmm. you know, even make a meal on their own. So it's a good, it's a good season.
2: Yeah. You know, when your kids are little and people say, Oh, just wait till they're teenagers. I have four sons and they used to say that. And I I wish they wouldn't have, but I thought the teen years were so much fun. Um, my yeah. youngest is about to be 18, but I enjoy them also. So uh, can you talk about why you wrote this book?
1: Yeah, um, I'm happy to. I This book has probably the outline for this book, I think has been on my computer for about 10 years. It was one of those ones that I was like, would someone please write this book? <laughs> and so I'm, I'm glad now it has been written because I felt like, I needed to get it off my chest. In some ways, because of my work in women's ministry, I had so many young women who wanted to be mentored. And I, had, I found a lot of older women were a little bit concerned, what does she want me to do with her? Um, and so I found that there were lots of good books on discipleship and why we should mentor Um, But what I wanted to kind of create was a manual for women to do together. So a book that they could read through together with the goal being, I want to grow spiritually in the upcoming year. And so that's why I did it because I think women are great at building relationships, but sometimes I think, Um, we struggle actually to go past surface level conversations. So I wanted to get into the meat and help women get into the meat. So what I'm just hoping to do is provide a springboard for conversations to happen about God and about his word and about prayer and the ways we know him. And so that's my hope in working on this topic.
0: Well, it certainly is an important one for the church. Could you talk a little bit about what mentoring is and why it's important in the church?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And one thing, I like to think of discipleship, the larger term, as a big continuum. So um, discipleship is that whole um, basically going out and making disciples, teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded. So that can be evangelism. You, you teach them at the very first moment when they come to faith, or it can be what happens in the church when we hear the word preached when we're 80 we're still being discipled to obey the commands that Jesus has given to us, you know, in some sense. So discipleship is this big umbrella and mentoring is under that umbrella. And I would call it a more one-to-one or one-to-two or one-to-three relationship that takes place in a limited time spread time sphere. Sometimes in scriptures it, it went on for years. Like if you look at the relationship with Moses and Joshua, they had this special friendship um, that, that went all through the desert, all through the wilderness until Joshua led the people of Israel. But so sometimes it's a longer term relationship. But I would say it's for a specific purpose of spiritual growth um, to build up the church, so to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Um, And so that involves both equipping. And participating in ministry. Um, and so I think the best type of mentoring relationships where is there's a combination of life on life and passing on truths and then working together in ministry in some way. Um, because the relationship then isn't so focused on the relationship. It's actually focused on, you know, hoping to build up the church together as you as you serve together in different ways. So I think it's, it's best when it's both, Focused on the the person and it's focused on the larger church and being involved in it
2: together. Several years, years ago at uh, our OPC, I know that the elders kind of noticed it wasn't really happening. There was a women's Bible study, but it was all the young as younger women going. And so they actually encouraged the older women to uh, attend. And some of those relationships happened more naturally then. Um, But I, I get the question all the time, all the time in our Facebook group, how do I find somebody to mentor me? And you even talk about this, that there's so many young women that desire this, but the, some of the older women are hesitant. Uh, so what would you say to somebody who asked that question? How can I find someone to mentor me?
1: Uh, My first piece of advice is to always say, don't start with that question because maybe like to the very person you want to mentor you, because it can feel completely intimidating. Um, I tell women, ask an older woman who you know um, to get coffee. And then if we back up and there's no one you even know to ask to get coffee, I would say, look at your life and where you are plugging into your church. So if you are choosing every Every activity you do within your church based on your age and stage, it is going to be hard for you to get to know people who could potentially be your mentor. So I would encourage you to pick a Bible study or a group or something in your church that maybe has some layers to it and isn't just the young marrieds or just the singles or whatever it might be, but to step outside. And that's hard. I mean, it's a little bit uncomfortable and I encourage older women to do the same thing, go where the younger women are, because if we don't have the initial touch point of a relationship, there's no one to even know who do you ask coffee to, you know? And if you're only going to church on Sunday mornings, it's going to be hard to find those relationships. So I would encourage you to find places where you can be getting to know other women. Um, And then, like I say, I do think coming to someone and saying, hey, I heard what you said in that small group about your prayer life. Could we get together and just talk about that a little more, give a little direction to the person so they even know why you want to get coffee? Because sometimes somebody tells me, I want to get coffee with you and I'm thinking, did I say something to hurt them? Um, So it's nice when they know what you want to talk to them about. But I think building the relationship and just asking someone for advice can help that process start. Um, And then I think an easier way to do it is to say, Hey, Um, If you've gotten coffee a couple of times and you think this person might be a person you'd like to disciple them, hey, would you meet with me once a month for the next year to walk through a book with me on prayer or whatever topic it might be? Um, And sometimes that's an easier way. It gives a finite time period because the reality for older women, their lives are busy too. They may look like they've got their life together, but most of Older women in congregations are struggling with different things that you may not know about. So they can often commit for a year, but they may not be able to commit beyond that. So I think it's nice to give kind of term limits. Can we do this for a year? And that that allows them to more easily say yes.
0: You kind of addressed it a little bit there, but could you give some pictures of what different mentoring relationships might look like? And in your book, you give some different examples, but if you could give both as the one who is being mentored and one who is mentoring, what that looks like.
1: Yeah. And by no means is is growing together meant to be prescriptive. I always want to stress that I have been mentored by so many wonderful women who never, it was never a formal mentoring relationship. Their life being lived before me was such an example to me of how to live. And um, sometimes it was, you know, I, a friend reminded me of this the other day. We were writing um, to a retreat with an older woman, and she said to me, "You came with a list of questions for her in that car ride because I had two hours with her." <laughs> and so I was like, "Wow, I've got her here. <laughs> Let me ask her all these parenting questions. Let me ask her, how, you know, what she thinks about this." And and so taking the opportunities we have sometimes is how we can get mentored in some ways. But I also just think it can look different for every mentoring relationship. Right now, um I'm meeting with a woman once a month and we walk every month and we talk through a different chapter in growing together. And that's, that's what we're, we're doing. Um, I've had my friend, Angela, she and I have been friends since she moved probably 18 or 19 years. Um, And she started out as a babysitter for us and we have shared life together. We've walked through all these different seasons together for 18 years. She now lives six houses down. We're still in close friendship with one another. So some last a long time and some last for a short time Um, for not for, not for any reasons. It's just the the circumstances the Lord puts us in. And so I'm so thankful for both types of mentoring relationships. Some are very formal, some become informal because the relationship's already there. Um, And so like with Angela, I could call her up and be like, "Um, Hey, I saw what was going on at your house. I don't think that was good (laughs) or whatever. I mean, we can have that kind of friendship because we've known each other so long, um, which I never have to actually do with her. She's a great mom. Um, But it's, it's, it's just that type of relationship that's been there um, for a long time. So I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for all types of mentoring relationships.
2: And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that sometimes it's doesn't look like a, some sort of formal setting. Um, I think in my own life, that so often uh, it it kind of happened naturally, and I you know uh, when we when we first got married, there was a couple at church that even encouraged us as a young couple find some older couples to spend time with, and even in that setting it was it was a good thing for us.
1: Absolutely, I think that's a wonderful way when you can find older couples in your church to just see how they relate. I mean, that's, that's a one, that's to me, ideal um, for a young couple to have an older couple they could talk to, but just over dinner, like you said. Yes.
2: That's exactly what we did. We did my husband and I, when we got to a new church, we wrote a list of, it's a small church, OPCs are small. We made a list of every single family in the church and we went through and invited them all over. And, So some of those relationships kind of develop just from starting with that.
1: I love what you say there. I I think that's, um, you were so purposeful in that. And I think um, sometimes we want the Lord to just drop a mentor into our life, (laughs) you know, and solve all of our problems. But what I love that you did there was you were very thoughtful. Let's have these people over. And that's a great way to just, get to know people but also to get that type of mentoring you're longing for I love that I love that initiative you know and not waiting for a program to come along but to just do it
0: organically yeah I'm a homeschooling mom and I've been homeschooling now this is my 13th year uh, with my oldest but um, when I was just getting started there were some friends and in a family a cousin who were homeschoolers that had kids that were just older than mine and I've spent a lot of time with them and just for the kids to play and do things but you know while we would sit there and chat and like okay so what are you doing with you know this approach to something or you know when you do curriculum how do you decide and it was great just to sit and become friends but also to have someone who I could really pick their brain and say mm-hmm. you know making my own decisions but you know how would you do it how did you come up with this or what did you see and Yeah, I had never really thought about it as, you know, they were my mentors, but they are, you know, they're the ones I went to Mm -hmm. for that, but in an informal way. And it was so very helpful to have someone who could answer those questions.
2: Um, Can you talk about sharing your story and how do you decide what parts of your story to share with others?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think um, sometimes we get into mentoring relationships and I've never even asked the person, how did you come to faith? <laughs> like these simple questions. Um, sometimes we think we know people, and then you realize, oh, I didn't know that was your background, or you grew up, you know, I, I don't know, in this religious background or that religious background. And oh, that's going to tell me a lot about why you're interpreting things a certain way. Um, and so I think it's helpful to kind of have that moment where you just share your story with one another. And that um, I, I give in the book, I give kind of 10 questions or something where people ask, because I do think it's really nice to know, has this person been in church all their lives? Were they in a church background that maybe um, gave them some wrong perceptions about Jesus that we need to work through? You know, because um, different people who come from di- different backgrounds, I found some can be, it their background makes them feel, um, they struggle with legalism. They struggle with feeling like God loves them. You know, others feel like God doesn't care if I'm sleeping with my boyfriend. You know, I mean, so it really helps to know what type of background someone's coming from. Um, and just to share those stories. And also, though, to share, like, it can be nice to know, hey, do you feel more encouraged if I send you a text or send you an email or give you a call? You know, just those things. Cause I think a lot of relationship disappointment can come from just not knowing one another. Um, so on what to share, I'm a pretty open book with people. I'll tell the person I'm mentoring, Hey, you know, got into a fight with my husband this morning because I think there's a reality. I, I want them to know we, <laughs> I mean, by God's grace, um, He changes us and we are sanctified, but I'm still in progress too. I'm still fighting sin myself. So when I talk to her about fighting sin, it's not removed from me. I'm still struggling with these things as well. And so I think there can just be that openness that we can say, hey, I'm a fellow runner in this race of faith with you. And yes, I'm passing the baton on, but please know I'm running myself. (laughs) and I need Jesus just as much as you need Jesus. And I think that can build a really strong, open relationship between two people.
0: I think that's very um, good advice about how to to talk with each other and I like the openness like you talked about because you don't want someone to, you know, look up up to you and be like, oh yeah, you've got everything together and you're like, no,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I'm, I'm a sinner saved by grace just like you, we're all in this together and it can help to know when you're, when you're looking to someone who's a mentor to you to know that they also struggle because um, it makes it more real that who we are is who we are in Christ and we're growing. Um, and it's wonderful to, to see that and to share that growth with others. Um, one of the things you, you focus on through the book is discussing dis- different aspects of our lives as believers. Um, you know, like prayer life, evangelism, temptations, family friendships, all of those service, the things in your life that mm. we should be growing in as believers. How can mentoring help us grow in, ver- in those various aspects?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I find that I grow just sometimes by knowing someone's going to ask me a question. (laughs) So when when they might ask you, hey, what did you learn in your study of God's word this past week? That makes me, just knowing a question's coming, makes me think about it more deeply. You know, I mean, I can read my Bible every day and not at all process, what am I learning? You know? And so I think someone taking the time to say, hey, how is your prayer life going? How, how are you um, feeling in church? Like, where are you serving others? Just having those conversations, I think, can sometimes remind you, um, even just to pray. I, uh, You know, when I talk to my friend about... Um, Hey, who in your life is a non Christian that you want to really work this year to try to share the gospel with? Um, even just that, that we can sit there and then pray for those people. That moment could spur on this remembrance to then say, hey, do you want to come to a Bible study with me to that person or whatever? I think just having spiritual conversations with other believers can really lead to spiritual growth. And we sometimes can just spend our days talking about, I mean, right now everybody's talking about COVID, but we can just talk <laughs> about the circumstances of our lives rather than, hey, we're on mission. Yeah, yeah, We are here. We've been given this great commission to go out and spread the gospel, to teach others, to obey Christ. How are we doing at that? If you're never evaluating that or talking with anyone about that, it's like we just get blinded by the life we're living and forget what we're here to do. And so I think mentoring is a great way to just have someone in our life reminding us of how we actually want to really live our life rather than just kind of go through each day without much purpose. And I, I can fall into that. I think it's so easy to just get up, do our jobs, do our work, clean up the laundry, you know, do all the stuff and and, and forget the mission that Christ has given us. So I hope mentoring will help that.
2: Thinking about evangelism, I think just like I kind of see some parallels with the mentoring and, and evangelism with some of our not knowing how to approach it, what to do. We want to share the gospel with people. And even as I was thinking through this week about those mentoring relationships in my own life, that they kind of, I didn't walk up and say, hey, can you mentor me? You know, I developed a mm-hmm. relationship with a woman in the church that I began to spend time with. But I, I was thinking about evangelism in a similar way, like uh, my Mormon next-door neighbors. I didn't mm-hmm. go and knock on their door one day and say, okay, you go to a false church now. Let me share the gospel with you. Um, we mm-hmm. said, hey, you guys want to come over for barbecue this weekend? Mm-hmm. And we developed a relationship Uh, with them. And it gave us an opportunity to share the gospel with them. But, uh, and it is an important part of our lives as believer, believers, but I know so many people feel insecure about evangelism. Uh, How would you encourage us to get past some of our fears? Hmm.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. One, one thing a friend once taught in Sunday school class that has stuck with me is one of the biggest ways you can evangelize just in your natural life is to actually share your life with others. Um, I think sometimes we hide the Christian parts of our lives from our neighbors. Um, So, we maybe don't let them know we're going to church, or we say, Oh, I've got a meeting to go to tonight. Good to see you. Rather than saying, Oh, I'm going to Bible study. I, I do think just living our life faithfully in front of people, and I'm always outed quickly because people ask what my husband does. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's this, Oh, he's at a seminary. Is he a priest? And I'm like, No, he's not a priest. A seminary is just where people learn about. <laughs> the Bible and things like, yeah, I mean, we always, it it leads to all these conversations. So we get outed quickly as Christians. And I actually think that's a blessing because I think it's really allowed for people to feel free to ask us questions um, when they come up because everybody's life will um, at some point experience deep suffering. And a, a lot of times just knowing there's someone that you have a relationship with who has thought about these things, um, opens up a door, but I do think just being in relationship with the people around you um, is just the first start and getting to know them, but also just being really proactive and saying, Hey, I, these people need the gospel. I mean, really remembering that. I think I I've kind of lull myself into thinking um, it's all going to work out. I mean, I know, cognitively, it's not. But if they don't know Jesus, I am being the most unloving person in the world by holding this treasure in my hands and not being willing to share it with them. And so keeping that image of, I think of Noah and the ark, you know, he's building this ark and I'm sure everyone thought he was crazy. But he he was building this, this mode of salvation in some sense. And we know what, we know another not a flood, but we know another storm, so to speak, is coming and Jesus will return. And for those of us who are in Christ, it will be a wonderful moment. For But for those who are not, the day of the Lord is a fearful thing. And so I think just remembering their deep need of the gospel is what propels me most. And so if it, even if it only propels us to start praying well for our non-Christian neighbors um, and really feel that urgency, I, I, I fear in America we just have grown lackluster sometimes Um, that we just feel so many battles in so many ways that we don't, we just don't want to share our faith. And so I I don't, I I sense that even in my own heart. So how, I think we pray, I think we pray a lot that the Lord will revive in us what real love is for the people around us.
0: I like that you pointed out that it's about love for your neighbor to share the gospel. Because I think a lot of times, especially for myself, um, there's that sense of, well, I don't want to offend somebody. I don't want to make them mad at me in talking to them about this. Um, Because, you know, of course, my dad's a pastor and retired now, but, you know, and I know what you mean about you get outed pretty quick. It's like, what does your dad do? Oh, my dad's a pastor. And people are like, oh, Oh, And, and you can see them kind of change how they talk to me. And I'm like, I'm just a person just like you. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> my parents, you know, I have my own issues too. No big deal. Just, just a person. Right.
1: Yes. They either um, start confessing or apologizing. Right. Exactly. Like, I they're like, so thinking,
0: Oh no, what have I said to them? And before I knew, I'm like, no, it's not like that. Um, <laughs> it just isn't. But, um, you know, often you, know, you want to be friends with somebody and you're like, well, I don't want to offend them. If I tell them that I don't think that that's a good idea. Or if I share yeah. with them that about what I believe in about my faith and, you know, what if they you know don't like me for it? And mm-hmm. It it's hard to get over that fear. And I've watched my dad for years because my dad is one of the the most outgoing people. He talks to mm-hmm. everybody about everything wherever he goes. But he always gets in something about you know did you go to church today or you know in encouraging people and getting them on that the topic. And it's fascinating to watch. Um, and I wish I had you know picked up more of his skills. But, um, but I appreciate your, your encouragement there about remembering that it's love for our neighbor, that it's the most loving thing we can do is to share the gospel with them in a loving way. right? Not, yeah, not absolutely. Be, we shouldn't be combative. It's just in loving way, but it's loving to tell them.
1: Uh, yeah. It's from that deep source of, I'm not trying to win a fight here. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't, honestly, I don't care to get into an argument with anyone. So if it was just about winning an argument, I would never waste my time on right. it. But it, it's love that compels us. Um, when I think of an eternity without Christ, it's, it's just not loving for me to stay silent. And that that's what compels me.
0: I like what you had to say in your book about growing in wisdom and discernment. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how we can grow in discernment and wisdom through mentoring.
1: Yeah, I think um, we have so many voices uh, in this world today um, that discernment is even maybe more of an important skill than ever before because it is so easy um, to find a Christian leader, and I say that with air quotes, um, who is saying whatever you want to hear. So if, if we have itching ears, there are plenty of ways <laughs> to get those itches scratched, so to speak, in this world, because at least in past times, maybe you only had four church choices to choose in your city when you were walking to church or whatever, and you had to pick one of them. Whereas now you can go online and find a religious teacher teaching pretty much about anything um, and trying to use the Bible to do so. And so I think the reality for us in this day and age, it is even more important that we are in our Bibles every single day, um, making sure that we are equipped to hear the word preached to us. Because like I say, there are a lot of people preaching things that are not true and are not, are not biblical. And I, I think the biggest way to guard our our minds and our hearts in Christ Jesus is to be people of the word um, and not to allow, not to be listeners only, but to, to be women who are studying it for ourselves and actively engaged in learning um, on a regular basis. And so, but I also think, you know, it is obviously the word applied is going to be what wisdom is going to look like. So how do I take what I know and then apply it in life? So I may know that I need to be kind, but I don't always know what kindness looks like. And so that's where I think mentoring can really come in and help to have an older person in our lives. In fact, I just had to call a friend. Um, I had a situation where I didn't know what to do, um, With Basically, it was a person who had hurt me deeply. And so I called her and I was like, I need to know what to do when I I see this person. And she said, you don't have to be nice, but you have to be kind. Um, And so we walked through what would kindness look like in the situation. Um, And so it was so helpful just to have an older person to call and talk to and ask their advice on how to live out the Christian life. And so we have to be in the word. So I knew from my time in the word I had to be kind, but she helped me really flush out what that was going to look like in in relationship with this with this situation that had been had been painful. And so I think that's why um, we need both in our lives. And I, and I always tell people, I, I mean, if I'm mentoring, please don't become a follower of Melissa. My goal is to help you follow Jesus. I don't want her life to look like my life. I don't want her to feel like she needs to do the things I do. I want the word in her to go out how God intends it to, and for it to accomplish his purpose in her life. Um, Not that she just looks like me in some ways. Um, The world doesn't need (laughs) another me. The world needs her to be a woman of the word in her context. Um, And so I think that's also our goal as we mentor people is to help them Learn discernment. Hebrews talks about learning discernment through constant practice. So we're helping them learn discernment as we walk beside them in the mentoring relationship.
2: So I know that there's probably a lot of people listening that are thinking, I want to, you know, cultivate this more in my church. What are some ways individuals, small groups, or churches could promote mentoring? Hmm.
1: That's a great question. Um, I think on a small level, you can just start looking around your life. If you're an older woman, and I think at some level we're all older women, we're all younger women. Um, and say, who can I be investing in? Like just the act of looking and taking the time to think when you walk into those church doors, who is in my life here that I should kind of pour back into who might, who might need that. So I think just, um, individually as we ask the question but then I think structurally one thing we did at the church I worked for we created a system and when we created the system my point was the whole time we're creating this so one day we won't need it anymore if that makes sense. I wanted to create a culture of mentoring, a culture of discipleship that eventually would no longer be needed because people understood what they were doing. So what we did was we created a system. It was was mentoring groups. We had one on two or two to four. We had one mentor to two to four women on a particular topic. And we basically did it. We put the time, we put the general location in the city and the topic that they would be studying for that year. We actually did not say who the mentor was going to be. Um, And this saved us tons of pain (laughs) because if no one signed up for the prayer group, it wasn't that no one signed up to meet with Sally. It was just no one signed up for the prayer group. And that that was kinder to everyone involved. It also helped women to really think through where do I need to grow spiritually, not who do I want to get to know. And so we tried to arrange it in that way so that it would be um, based on the perceived spiritual growth need of the women and what they were looking for rather than the person. Because I'm like, if you already know you want a person to disciple you just go ask them individually, (laughs) but otherwise let's really look at where do you want to grow spiritually and, and do that. And it really worked well. We did that for many, many years and it created a culture where people then, we train the mentors so that they would feel more confident in their mentoring. But then every one of those women, so if we had 10 mentoring groups, that's 40 women who have now been mentored. Well, now that's 40 women who have a vision of what mentoring can look like. And then the next year, 40 more. And then the next year, 40 more. So now suddenly you have many, many women who have now been mentored and at least have a vision. I find what's What's probably disheartening is in so many churches, so many women have never been mentored. So they have no image of what it could look like. Um, and so that's structurally one way to do it. But again, I always think you can start by just asking someone to coffee. <laughs> that is the simple, simple way.
2: Yeah. You know, uh, when you were talking about evangelism earlier, I was uh, thinking about my, my brother-in-law. He had this friend that he grew up with. a really really good friend he grew up with, but wasn't a Christian at all. But he started inviting him when all of us would get together, you know, a bunch of Christians. His dad um, was a professor at a school. So a lot of times it was these guys studying to be pastors and pastors hanging out at their house. And so he started inviting his friend and his friend. And, you know, the gospel would come up and his friend would say, yeah, you know, I'm glad you guys have that, but I'm just really not interested and it took mm. like 10 years, but he came, became a Christian a few years ago. Oh, wow. <clears throat> and th- that's one thing, too, is sometimes you don't, when you're in the midst of a mentoring relationship, an evangelism relationship, a- any kind of relationship, you don't necessarily see right in the moment how the Lord is is using that. Mm. Uh, and I'm glad that you said that all women are the, you're everyone's an older woman and a younger woman. Uh, I had a woman that was a mentor to me, and I was in my early 30s. And one day she looked at me and she said, You know, that you're the older woman, too. You're the older mm-hmm. woman to somebody.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I pray for those women because here's the thing a 26 year old woman is much more interesting to my 19 year old daughter than me. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. And so we need the 26 year old to be reaching back to the 21 year old, you know, saying, Hey, Jesus can meet you in this. So yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I just think we all need to be I'm scared about the things I said when I was that age, mentoring people. I I do fear that a little bit, but I I trust the Lord (laughs) for all those things um, and can use our words for good. Even when we maybe, um, maybe, took scripture out of the context the wrong way and all those things but he, he he can he can let the scripture speak even when we don't use it well all the time that's my that's my hope when i think back to my 16 year old bible study that i used to lead
2: <laughs> yeah sure. Sure I, I have that That too with I actually at one point went went to somebody and I said, you know that advice I gave you? (laughs) I've rethought that and I'm not sure that actually was the best advice.
1: That's good. It's nice when you can do that. I've thought of some of the things I said. I'm like, oh, that was terrible. You know, but you you just you trust we were opening the Bible together, the Lord is living and active. I'm so thankful.
0: (laughs)
2: Yes.
1: He can he can correct um, through the spirit, you know, the wrong things we may say. The spirit can speak truth, even if we mess up. So that's hope. I always do want to say that in mentoring. No perfect people will ever mentor you, and you will never. If you wait till you're perfect to mentor, you'll never mentor. So we're always we're always um, clay vessels that are hoping to display the glory of the Lord.
2: And I I wanted to mention just regarding your book, um, for those that are interested, it's set up so you can do it in a one-on-one relationship or you could do it in a group. Um, So for those that are wondering that, well, thank you so much, Melissa, for joining us. We'll put a link to the book in the episode notes.
1: Great. Thanks so much for having me. It's been fun to talk to you both.